Exodus chapter 7 and beginning at verse 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. My friends, we're looking uh, tonight at uh, these verses and the verses and chapters, really, which are following. And my subject is uh, resisting uh, the Lord. Well, I'm sure, as you know, this is a very, very well-known uh, passage in the Bible. Very famous passage. Almost everyone has heard about the plagues that fell on Egypt. And it's a tremendous uh, demonstration of the mighty power of God, that he is Jehovah God. Besides him, there is no other gods. All the gods of the heathen really are no gods. And that's one of the reasons why uh, this, this incident and the raising up of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is here in the Bible. It's God is going to demonstrate to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians, to the Israel, Israelites, his own people, to all the world, that Jehovah alone uh, is God. That's one of the reasons why we have uh, this uh, passage uh, in the Bible. It's a great and mighty demonstration of the supremacy of the Lord God above everyone uh, else. Pharaoh's going to contest it. Pharaoh's going to fight against it. He's going to cha he's challenged the Lord. He's laid down the gauntlet already, and the Lord's taken it up. And we know there's only going to be one winner. If you think of a boxing match, well, then we're going to go 10 rounds in this boxing match, and uh, the Lord is going to win every round of this match. And, but he's going to uh, show uh, ultimately uh, to Pharaoh, well, this, uh, he uh, is uh, the Lord, he is king. But there's another reason why this incident and uh, these events, these plagues are here in Scripture. And that's to show us the hardness of the human heart. When you look at Pharaoh and you see how time and again the Lord came to him, first gently, then a little bit more strongly, then again with a little bit more weight behind the, the plague after plague that came upon him with judgment and uh, in, in increasing amounts of severity. Well, he was, and yet still, he never repented, still he never turned uh, from his sin, still he never let the people go. Well, that's a sign of the hardness, an illustration to us of the hardness of people's hearts, that their unbelief in people's hearts, and that unless God does something, well, people will never turn. That's uh, what we see uh, here. Conversion, is, uh, we're reminded here, is uh, a divine work. Man can't do it. Even plagues and judgments uh, can't do it. Miracles cannot do it. We've said that so many times. 
you know. But uh, here we see it must be a work of the Spirit of God. So this is what we're looking at uh, tonight, the plagues that came upon uh, Pharaoh and Egypt. Well, we begin at verse uh, 8 of chapter 7, and we see that how this is now the second time the Lord tells Moses and Aaron to present themselves uh, before Pharaoh, and they go with that same request, let my people go, that they may sacrifice uh, in, uh, in uh, the wilderness. Why should I, he says, in effect, why should I let them go? Who are you? Who are you that I should let them go? Show me a miracle. Well, they'd expected that. They'd expected him to say that. The Lord had told them beforehand uh, that he would make such a demand. So we see uh, how at the bidding of, uh, of the Lord, Moses told Aaron to cast his rod down to the ground when it did so, well, it became a serpent. But Pharaoh is unimpressed. And he gets his wise, calls in uh, his uh, wise, wise men, his magicians, his, his sorcerers. And we read in verse 11, the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantment, enchantments. They also uh, managed to do it. How they did it? Well, it was by some, it wasn't by the power of God but it was by some magical arts or something, uh, some way in which they were able, some trickery uh, that they were able to do. Some people think perhaps they were, in those times they were able to charm a snake uh, so that it became as stiff as a rod and then charm it back into life again. Well, that may be true. Or they may have used some other uh, magical uh, arts method uh, to convince Pharaoh that they could do the same thing. But look at verse 12. For they, uh, they cast down their rods, every man, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? That's something that Pharaoh should have taken note of. And it was a sign to Pharaoh that the God Jehovah is greater than all the, the other gods that he held on to. It's an early sign that's already uh, given to him. But he brushes it off. And uh, he just, uh, Moses, in, in his mind, oh, Moses and Aaron are just better magicians than mine. That's what he's, think that's what he's thinking. Pharaoh uh, doesn't uh, respond uh, to this sign. He's had a word from the Lord uh, to, to, to tell him, let my people go. Then he's had now a sign from the Lord uh, to, again, to show to him uh, a miracle has been performed before him. Still, he refuses to let the people go. Well, things are only going to get worse for him. Things are going to intensify in terms of trouble for him and his people from now on because here come the plagues. The plagues are, are, are due to follow. Well, we begin, we'll be, look at that in just a minute, but uh, just to say one, one or two things about these plagues. There were ten plagues uh, in all. Uh, each one uh, becoming increasing in severity uh, than the previous one. And we'll just look at the first nine uh, tonight, and then God willing, uh, next week we'll look at that final one, the one where the death of the firstborn. But uh, these nine, well, you, they can be broken down, these first nine can be broken down into triads, into uh, groups of three. 
And uh, you'll see as we go along, or if you read it in your own time a little bit more carefully, when you get home, you'll see that a warning precedes the, the first uh, plague in each triad. A warning precedes the, the, the second plague. And then, but there's no warning in the third plague. And the plague just comes unexpectedly, unannounced. And it's the same in the next triad. Warning, warning, no warning. And in the third triad, warning, warning, no warning. And uh, this is uh, also how uh, the Lord uh, works. You can think of an individual person in this life. He receives warning after warning after warning from the Lord. Turn to the Lord. Get right with the Lord. Uh, make things right before eternity is before you. Uh, you must, you must uh, come into a right relationship with, with, with God. And he puts it off, and he puts it off, and he resists it, he puts it off. Oh, what's going to happen? He's going to be suddenly cut off. Death may suddenly happen to him. And then he wakes up in hell, and he realizes he's got no, uh, no more chance. He's stuck in that particular state forever and he cannot escape it. There was no warning given to him about that final judgment that was coming upon him. Or we could think even on an international scale. And again, how the gospel goes out and calls people to be ready uh, for the Lord's coming. Christ is coming back again. You must be ready beforehand. And again, people resist that and put it off and well, I've got other things to do, other things to see to. These are more important than uh, seeking the Lord and finding uh, peace with Him. What's going to happen? Well, the Lord's going to come. Does he, will He announce His coming? Will He blow a trumpet to say, I'm coming before He comes and warns everyone and they'll be given the last-minute chance to repent? No. He'll come suddenly, unannounced. And everyone who is uh, still in darkness, still against the Lord, or they will be taken unawares at his coming. So it's a warning, friends, isn't it, to uh, the unbeliever uh, to come while the Lord calls. But uh, let's look at these uh, particular uh, plagues, and we will just go through briefly, because there's uh, a lot here. But firstly, the first plague we see is how the river Nile was turned into blood. Uh, verse 15, get unto Pharaoh uh, in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water. Perhaps he was going to bathe, or perhaps he was uh, going to venerate the waters uh, of Egypt. Uh, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink, against he come. And the rod which was turned to a serpent uh, shalt thou take in thine hand. And then he was to uh, smite uh, the waters uh, of uh, the river Nile and it would turn into blood. Well, the river Nile was something very special uh, to the Egyptians. They, it was a source of life for them. It was a source of fertility to them. It was their drinking water. And so they, they treasured it. They, their prosperity flowed, as it were, out uh, of that river. They built cities close uh, to the river uh, because the, the land was flourishing, was fertile in those particular uh, places. So there was a, almost a, a veneration and adoration uh, of this river. But the Lord uh, smites this river. Verse 17, uh, Thus saith the Lord, Moses says, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, 
and they shall be turned to blood, and the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. And that's exactly what happened. When, the, when Moses uh, uh, smit uh, the, the, the water, it turned into blood. And that which was a source of life became a source of death to the people. And they became uh, undrinkable. And uh, Pharaoh was horrified uh, to see uh, this, this thing. And as he thought on these things, no doubt he, he immediately could see in his mind, well, how demoralizing that would be to his people to see the river turned into blood and how it would affect him economically as well. But uh, he didn't uh, consider really uh, deeply what happened uh, unto repentance. In verse 22, we read that the magicians of Egypt, somehow they were able to get water from somewhere yeah. And they were able, again, by some kind of trickery and enchantment, to do something uh, similar. Verse 23, Pharaoh didn't even consider what had happened. And he just brushes it off once again and returns home, as if nothing great has happened. And he doesn't need to worry about it. The second plague uh, was one uh, in, uh, begins in verse uh, chapter 8. And it's the one of frogs. Verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5. Stretch forth thine hand, the Lord said, with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up over the land, upon the land of Egypt. Frogs. <laughs> I don't know what you think about frogs, but I can't stand frogs. They're horrible creatures. I cannot understand how anybody likes frogs. They look so ugly to me. And... So detestable, but some people do. Uh, but frogs everywhere, not only by the riverbanks, which they were used to, but uh, everywhere. Now again, frogs were a sign, a symbol of fertility uh, to the Egyptians. And they considered them sacred objects, if you can believe it. And, uh, but here now, they've become a nuisance to them. Because these frogs, when this plague fell upon them, well, they were everywhere. Uh, they were in people's homes. They were in people's living rooms as such. They were in people's kitchens. They were in people's bathrooms. They were in people's bedrooms. They were in the, in the, uh, in the kitchen utensils that they used to make food. And even in the baking, they had a clay ba uh, baking pot, and he, which was a deep pot. And even in those deep pots, the frogs found a place. So they were everywhere. And they were croaking away like, like nobody's business. And you imagine the whole land was filled with this uh, infestation of frogs. And that which was now a sacred object, well, they, they dared not kill them because they were sacred in their eyes, so they had to live with them uh, for that time. And uh, it was a horrible uh, time. That which was sacred to them became a detestation to them and uh, an annoyance to them, and they couldn't do anything about it. Well, in verse uh, 7, we read how the magicians once again uh, used their enchantments, and they were also able to call up frogs in, uh, in some way. Verse 8, or chapter 8, Pharaoh uh, is, is, seems to be showing initial, initially here some signs of repentance. He says to Moses and Aaron, Entreat the Lord that he may take the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go, 
that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. Is he really repentant? Has he changed already? Well, we would have hoped so, but no, it proves only a transient uh, repentance. Verse 9, uh, he's given this additional proof. Moses said to, to Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses that they may remain in the river only? Pharaoh's, uh, Moses says Pharaoh, you set the time. Glory over me means you set the time. You dictate. You tell me what time specifically you want these frogs to depart uh, and uh, only be found in the river, and I will pray according, accordingly. He's giving uh, Pharaoh proof. Uh, here you will see by this proof, by this evidence, that at that specific time uh, they will depart, and you will know that it's, an, it's the Lord uh, who has uh, done it. And uh, Pharaoh says, tomorrow, let them be done, go uh, by tomorrow. He'd hoped, actually, that some natural occurrence would happen before then and the frogs would just uh, disappear. Uh, but uh, they didn't. And it was only by the prayer of Moses and at his word on the next day that the frogs uh, died. And uh, there was a great uh, stench uh, that came from the, the frogs. And the land was filled with nauseous smells as well on account of them. But look at Pharaoh. No sooner has the plague passed than uh, he hardens his heart again. And that's so typical, friends, of so much of what we hear, isn't it? So, so typical of people, when they're in trouble, they call upon the Lord and they say, and they maybe call other believers, pray for me, it's happened People have come to me, say, pray for me, non-Christians, and uh, we pray for them. The Lord helps them. The Lord delivers them. And then what happens after, when everything is back to normal? Oh, they've forgotten the Lord. No more to be seen in church. They're no more asking you to pray uh, for them. Just like Pharaoh here. In, uh, in uh, chapter 8, verse 16, uh, we see the third plague. And here, no warning uh, is precedes this particular uh, plague. The Lord said to Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Some people say this is actual lice. Uh, others take it for, for gnats. But whatever it is, there were tiny insects which gave a, a particularly nasty uh, bite. And uh, that caused terrible uh, itching uh, for the people. It was, a, once again, a great vexation uh, for the people. This time, the magicians tried to follow suit. They tried uh, to do uh, as uh, Moses had done. They couldn't do it. They tried again and again, but they couldn't uh, do it. Till at last, uh, they say to Pharaoh in verse 19, this is the finger of God. They admit a defeat. We can't do it, they say. Now, friends, don't be too quick to jump to conclusions here. Don't be too quick to think, well, the magicians are saying, this is Jehovah, this is God. Oh, no. No, no, no. 
they're not so they're not so keen to give glory to God even now it, it sounds like it this is the finger of God but what they're actually saying is uh, they're saying well this is a supernatural work this is the work of a God this is not this is beyond man this is not the work of of the God of the Israelites they're deliberately not saying that but this is the work uh, an act of a God not the God uh, of, uh, not Jehovah, uh, the Lord. And as a result of their words, even perhaps, that's why we read, again, it made no impression upon Pharaoh. And again, uh, he hardens uh, his heart. Well, friends, what can we say? That there are people, uh, people even today, who are very much like these uh, magicians. You know, disasters happen in the world. Judgments, we see them as the great the, uh, that tsunami that happened uh, a while back. But what was that? Wasn't that a judgment uh, from God? And what do people say? People say, a freak of nature. Oh, it's unexplainable. Oh, it's one of, an unnatural uh, phenomenon. That's what these things are. They'll try and attribute it to anything but God. They won't, they're reluctant to say that God sent that judgment. They refuse uh, to say these things. They will try and attribute, if they cannot explain it uh, away, they will try and attribute it to something that is unexplainable. Well, friends, uh, we move on uh, to the next plague. I hope you don't mind me going so, so quickly uh, through uh, these plagues. But in the next, the next one, we see how since there are uh, not, since they are not too sure, or they are deliberately saying it's uh, not, not of God, these plagues, God in the next one is going to make it demonstrably clear that these plagues are from him. And we see this here. Uh, he's going to make it so evident that it's not just a God who has sent these plagues, but Jehovah God. And this particular plague well, it's a plague, we read, of a swarms of flies. Verse uh, 21. Uh, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also to the ground uh, whereon they are. Now you'll notice if you've got one of the church Bibles that it's got off flies, swarms of flies. Off flies is in italics. And so it would read in the original, I will send swarms. So it could be, it, was, it wasn't just flies most likely, but it's a, a swarms of insects and flies, probably of a different, uh, different kinds. More annoying uh, than the gnats of the previous uh, plague. And uh, thick, thick swarms of insects uh, and flies were sent into all the land of Egypt, except, except, except for one place, Goshen. Why? Who is in Goshen? Who is staying there? Well, it's the people of God. It's the Hebrew slaves. God's people. It's the region where God's uh, people uh, lived. And you can see that. In verses 22 and 23, the Lord said, I will sever in that day the land of Goshen 
in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. Well, it's by this they would... It's so clear, isn't it? They can see the plague is on the Egyptians, but not on the people of God. It must be a work of Jehovah. It must be a judgment sent from Him. What is the lesson for us here, friends? As an encouragement for us here, you know, as believers, we are protected from the sins of the age. The particular sins of our age, what are they? There are so many. But we could mention a few of them. Uh, we could think of uh, even rebellious children. Or we could think of alcoholism as the sins of the age. Or drug addiction and drunkenness. We definitely have to mention sexual promiscuity, the sins of the age. And we see, even we hear in the news, the increase in our time of uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Well, friends, as a, uh, these are the plagues of our age. But as believers, as those who are following the Lord, well, we are protected from it. If we walk with the Lord and we follow Him, well, uh, we are kept uh, from such things. There is safety in the, in the, in the Lord from these particular uh, kind of things. As somebody said, uh, piety shields the house. Piety shields the house. That is, when we holiness, we walk in a holy way before the Lord, we are kept uh, from those particular uh, sins. Well, verse 25, Pharaoh tries to bargain uh, with Moses. Uh, go and sacrifice, he says, uh, uh, to your God, but stay within the boundaries of Egypt. Oh, we can't do that, Moses says. The sheep and the oxen well, they're sacred uh, to the Egyptians. And if we sacrifice them within Egypt, well, there will be an abomination to them. So Pharaoh consents to let them go. But when the flies, and this plague of flies has been removed, once again, uh, he, he relents, and he goes back to hardening his heart, and he won't let them go. Well, we move on to chapter 9. And the the, the fifth plague was the cattle uh, disease. And here in chapter 9, verse 3, The Lord, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the, the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, not only the cattle, but uh, uh, even the horses, that which was the, the strength and the highly prized, the power uh, of uh, Egypt, and upon their working animals, uh, upon the oxen, the sheep, there shall be a very grievous rain, a, a cattle a, a disease, an infectious disease that would affect uh, so many of these animals and uh, uh, kill them. But uh, no disease uh, would affect the cattle of the children of Israel. And we read the Lord did exactly as he said he would. The cattle of the Egyptians were affected, but not the cattle of the children of Israel. Verse 6, uh, of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. Well, Pharaoh, Pharaoh inquired about this. Verse 7, he sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of, Is of the Israelites 
dead. He made inquiries. He sent out his servants. He had heard reports saying, uh, the cattle in Egypt are killed, but not one of the cattle in, of the Israelites is killed. Go and find out, is it true? Is it really so that this has happened? And the report came back, of course, yes, it's true. Uh, it it uh, is exactly as you have heard. But it doesn't affect him. Uh, such a tremendous thing has happened and it still doesn't affect him. And that's again what people are like uh, today. You know, people come across other believers. Maybe there are other believers in their family or their, their friends, uh, friendship circles. And they become Christians and uh, they know what they are like before. And then they see that and hear that they're now going to church and they believe in the Lord. And they begin to inquire and they begin to observe their lives. And they begin to see, oh, there really is a change in this person. He used to be really angry before. But now uh, he's more gentle, he's more careful uh, in his words. He used to be like this before, but now since he's made that profession of faith, uh, he's now like this, he's changed uh, for the better. And they can see the evidence is there. They're looking, they're observing, they're asking, is it true what's happened to them? And it's there, they can see it. Do they change? Do they turn to the Lord? They still don't even though they have evidence right before their very eyes. So sad, isn't it? But that's how hard the, uh, the heart of man uh, is. You see, you see all these things happening, and still a Pharaoh is not changing, and still people uh, don't change. Well, an even worse plague was the next one, and that which afflicted the Egyptians, and that was uh, Boils, chapter 9 and verse 8. Take to, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, and it shall become dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Terrible boils, uh, with uh, terrible, painful blisters uh, on people. And it covered them. Uh, was all over their bodies and it caused acute uh, pain and suffering but not death they were suffering uh, in, uh, no doubt in great agony but they were not uh, it wasn't a fatal uh, disease a fatal plague like the third plague this one also came suddenly, unexpectedly without warning did they cry to the Lord in their pain? did they say Lord have mercy upon me? No, no, not once. We don't read about them crying out to, to the Lord at all. And we're reminded, isn't it, of Revelation uh, chapter 16. And so much of what happens here, actually, you can find in the book of uh, Revelation. And it, would, it helps us to actually interpret uh, Revelation. But in Revelation 16, we read about a similar group of people who blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and sores. The, the pains and sores were sent to cause them to repent, to cause them to cry out to God. But they blasphemed the God of heaven because of them and repented not of their deeds. And we have a similar uh, case uh, here. Well, uh, uh, the seventh plague was the one of uh, hail. And uh, here we see in verse 18, it's going to be an unprecedented a thunderstorm, an unprecedented 
a hail that God is going to send, such as has not been in Egypt since the foundation, uh, even uh, until now. And uh, hailstones are going uh, to be sent, hailstones of enormous uh, size and weight, and these ones are going to be destructive, and also they're going to be uh, deadly. The plants, the trees, and the barley, well, they're all going to be uh, destroyed. Uh, not, the, not all the crops, but a good number, at least uh, probably about half of it, would have been uh, destroyed. But what I want you to notice here is the, the gracious warning that uh, preceded uh, this particular plague. In verse 19, the Lord said, Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle and all thy, that thou hast in the field, for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field, and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. And then look at this. He that feared the word of the Lord, whether he was uh, Egyptian or not, among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. Pharaoh and all of Egypt are given warning. This hail is going to come. And you've got to bring your cattle in from the fields and bring your servants in. But those who believed the word, those who feared the Lord, well, they responded uh, by doing so. But others who didn't care, who disregarded it, who counted it a light thing, ah, it's not going to happen. They left their, uh, their animals and their servants in the field. And well, they lost, when the hail did come, they lost uh, everything uh, that was out uh, in the field. Well, friends, that gracious warning should have been heeded. And again, the, we, we, could, we could say uh, how uh, the Lord uh, gives us a gracious warning. There's a judgment that is coming. There's a final judgment that is coming when we all will stand before the Lord. And the command is run. Run for safety to Christ. Find safety in Jesus Christ. That's the only place you can find, uh, be safe from the storm of eternal judgment in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, those who believe our words, those who believe the word rather of the Lord, well, they will run uh, to Christ and they will be safe on that day. And we who have run to Christ, well, we will be safe on that day of judgment. But those who have rejected those who treat the word of the Lord as a very little thing, while well, they uh, will perish. Uh, moving quickly uh, to the, the eighth one. Surely now Pharaoh is ready to yield. And uh, it seems uh, like it uh, when we see verse 27 uh, in chapter, chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 27. Uh, Pharaoh calls Moses and Aaron and he says, look at these words. I have sinned this time, the Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Oh, that sounds good, isn't it? That sounds like a sinner repenting. That sounds like a person who's asking for baptism. You know, I, I've sinned, and uh, I'm a sinner, and the Lord is righteous. And yes, let's accept him quickly. Let's take him on board. Uh, but is he? Oh, not long after, uh, the, his true colors are shown. Verse 34 uh, when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, and he wouldn't let the people of Israel go. So once again, 
uh, he's, it was just a temporary uh, confession, a fake confession. He's got so used to resisting the Lord. He just carries on uh, doing, doing that. Nothing seems to affect him. Even in chapter 10, verse 7, uh, where his own counselors said, uh, said to him, what, How long uh, sh- uh, this ma- shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Don't you know that uh, Egypt is uh, destroyed? Aren't you aware of the great destruction that's happened to our country because of all these plagues? And you still won't let them go. Let them go. Also, Pharaoh, uh, perhaps he listens a little for a while again. Uh, but again, you see his, his scheming here because he doesn't agree, comply fully with the demands of the Lord. And uh, he's trying to uh, reset the terms. And he says, well, only the men can go and, sac- and sacrifice, but everyone else has to stay behind. Oh, friends, we, want, we may be like that, you know. Uh, the Lord gives us his commands. He tells us this is what we are to do. But we must follow it as it's in the word. We cannot renegotiate. We cannot do half and half with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'll do this for you. But that one is a little bit more tricky, a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more costly. Maybe I won't do that part for you. We have to uh, take heed to all the commands. I like that particular commandment, Lord. But I don't like that one. And so maybe I'll just leave that to one side. No, friends, we mustn't try and negotiate and uh, renegotiate the terms. The Lord has laid down, he's told us uh, how we are to serve him. It's our duty to simply uh, follow. But Moses is driven out uh, from the presence of the Lord, uh, sorry, from the presence of Pharaoh, and he stretches out his hand, and he, uh, there's an east wind that comes, and it brings in uh, this whole uh, load of uh, locusts, uh, chapter 10, verse 4. A number of locusts come in uh, from, the, in, from the coast and they shall cover the face of the earth that one cannot be able to see the earth. And that which was uh, still left of the crops, where well, they were all devoured uh, by uh, these locusts. Egypt, once such a beautiful landscape. And now look at it. It's destroyed. It's devoured. It's in ruins. Again, Pharaoh, chapter 10, verse 16, calls for Moses and Aaron in haste. And again says, I have sinned against the Lord your God uh, and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once and entreat the Lord that he may take uh, away from me this death only. But once again, it's an insincere uh, confession. And uh, as soon as things become better, is back to his usual hardness of heart and resistance. And then the final plague uh, is the three days uh, of uh, darkness in verse 21. Stretch out thine hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt, probably caused by some kind of a sandstorm that uh, so covered the sun that there was uh, no light, no, dark, uh, no light uh, in, in Egypt. It was a terrible darkness, and a darkness that was frightening to the people. They couldn't see each other. They couldn't uh, do anything, of course, couldn't work. But it was a felt darkness, we read. It was a terrifying uh, darkness uh, to them. But there was light in Goshen. There's light where the people of God are. The children of Israel 
had light in their dwellings. And again, we can apply that, isn't it? We, as believers, by God's grace, well, we are, he has given us an education, being in his family. We are blessed with light, light from the word, light about God, the truth about God, the truth about the world, the truth about uh, the past, the present, the future. Why are things the way that they are? We have the knowledge of these things. But the world, well, they're still seeking for answers. They're still trying to find out what are the origins of the world. <laughs> God has already told us. You know, what's going to happen in the future? What happens after that? They're still trying to find out. They're in darkness. And they, uh, a darkness that keeps them uh, from uh, the Lord. But we are rich, blessed with so much knowledge uh, God has revealed to us uh, in the scriptures. Blessed with such tremendous uh, light. Well, Pharaoh once again uh, summons Moses and uh, he says to him, Go and serve the Lord, but your flocks and your cattle you must leave them behind. Well, that cannot do. And again, in verses 26, chapter 10, our cattle, or we must sacrifice the Lord our God. Our cattle shall also go with us. They shall not an hoof be left behind. For therefore must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, take thee to thyself, see my face no more. For in that day that thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses' final word to him, Thou hast spoken well, I will see thy face again no more. So friends, these are uh, the nine plagues, and we'll look at the tenth uh, next week. But just in closing, remember, how Pharaoh here is set for us as an example of the hardness of men's heart, the unbelief that is men's heart, and how there's a need for us to pray, to pray much that God, by his Spirit, will work. God is bringing out uh, his people here, and God is, has brought us out uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are redeemed, we are delivered out of this present uh, evil age uh, through the Lord uh, Jesus Christ and his so his uh, blood shed on Calvary. But there's also, friends, another deliverance to come. A deliverance, a complete deliverance, uh, when we leave this world and we enter into glory. Just as uh, Moses said here, not a hoof shall be left uh, behind. Not one part of the, the cattle, as it were. Everyone would have to leave Egypt. So also... And we leave this world, not one part of us will be left in sin or in the world. When we reach glory, not one hoof of us will be affected by the world, will be affected by sin. Our minds, our, our bodies, our wills, our emotions, our desires will all be completely clear, complete deliverance from these things. And we'll be able to worship the Lord in a perfect way. And uh, thanks be to God for that, a complete uh, deliverance.